Good job, buddy. All right. Stand with me. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity you've given us to come together once again, Lord, and feast upon the Word of God. Lord, I ask you that you would just anoint these lips of clay tonight, Lord, and give us the spiritual lips, uh, the spiritual ears to hear your voice in this Word tonight, the spiritual eyes to see the path that you laid out before us. And, Lord, give us the God that wisdom that we need to walk in that path. We thank you and praise you for it. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Now, we've been talking about coming into the congregation. Amen. When you come into the congregation. Okay. Now, here we're going to Ezekiel 39, verse 7. The moral of this whole thing is there's a whole lot more to coming into this than people will ever know unless they really dig into it. Unless you really take a close look. Let me tell you something. This is not anything for a novice. God expects whoever comes into this to be 100% longing for it, hungering for it, and willing to do anything and everything for it. Amen. The Bible says, So I will make my holy name known in the midst of my people, and I will not let them pollute my holy name anymore. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. Here, the Lord was declaring to Ezekiel that, hey, they're not going to profane my holy name anymore. And I'm going to show all the heathen round about who I am. They're going to know me. Amen. And that's exactly what it should be all over this world right now. But unfortunately, it's not. Because the enemy has capitalized, lulled everybody to sleep. While they were sleeping, while men slept, he sowed tares amongst the wheat. Amen. And the wheat died, and the tares choked the wheat out. And there's no more wheat in the churches anymore. There's nothing of sustenance in the church any longer. Everything in the church looks like, it looks a little bit like it, sounds a little bit like it, but it's, it's worthless. No different than tares are. They may look like wheat for a season, but when it comes time to bearing fruit, there is no fruit from it, period. And it's no different than the modern-day church we're living in today. Okay, come on, brother. Next, we're going to Nehemiah 13.1. Amen. On that day, they read in the book of Moses, in the audience of the people, and therein was found written that the Ammonite and the Moabite should not come into the congregation of God forever. Now, why is that? Okay. A lot of people, when they look at this, they think it's because they're from, from incest. But that's not why. We're going to be looking at that here shortly. Amen. Okay. So, but let me tell you something. When God sets a standard, that's the end of the story. Hear me tonight. When God sets His standard, I don't care who you are or how bad you want it or what you think or what you feel, that's irrelevant. 
God sets the standard, and that's the end of the story. It's God's way. It doesn't matter how you feel about it. God's not concerned with how we feel about it. What God says settles it all. And when God says, you will do such and such, and you will not do such and such if you want to be part of this congregation, that's the end of the story. It's not negotiable. Amen. As we read last time, uh, last uh, Sunday night, that's what the Lord was talking about in all that Scripture we were reading. He said, I will show you, and you will know. You need to see it. You need to study it. You need to understand it and know it. You need to know the going out and the going forth, or the coming in and the going forth of the house of God. All right, brother, come on. Now, here, I was going to go from 27 to 31, but I got to looking at it and thought, you know what? We're just going to start back here in verse 1. So in Second Chronicles 29, verse 1, Hezekiah began to reign when he was 5 and 20 years old, and he reigned 9 and 20 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father had done. He, in the first year of his reign, in the first month, opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. This is why I went back, because when you get to verse 27 through 31, it's just kind of the end of the story uh, concerning this. But I wanted you to get the full uh, uh, flavor of this. He began to repair in every way the house of the Lord, which had been just laid waste. Amen. Now, and he brought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them together into the east street and said unto them, Hear me, ye Levites, sanctify now yourselves and sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers and carry forth the filthiness out of of the holy place. There are to be a scream going forth in this land right now unto every pastor, unto every church, unto every place that's called by the name of the Lord, amen, that profess that they're Jesus' name. There ought to be somebody shouting this from the rooftop saying, listen, you need to carry forth the filthiness out of this holy place. Amen. The world and all these preachers and pastors have allowed wickedness and filthiness to come in and take root in the house of God, and they have run out everyone that's good. They have run out the power of God. They have run out the holiness and purity and righteousness of God, and they have taken to themselves money and dollar signs and all the people that and let them just have run havoc in the place. They've let them just run roughshod through the place and, and they've let them change everything according to their will. Why? Because they have a lot of dollar signs. They're not about to go to somebody that's got millions of dollars and they're bringing in tens of thousands of dollars a year, maybe hundreds of thousands a year, and enabling them to buy all kinds of stuff and live a higher standard of living. They're not about to come up to them people when they want to travel all over the world and stay gone all the time. They're not going to come up to them people and say, you need to stop that nonsense and get back in here where you belong. They're not going to tell them that. No. They ain't about to, they ain't about to do that. That's the reason why nobody stands up and tells these liberal scumbags anything. Because they got money. That's why all these... That's why all these Republican senators are falling and, and turning tail and talking against uh, uh, Trump and all that kind of stuff now. 
because the powers that be are pulling their triggers and saying, you need to, you need to just go on and, 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 and side with us. Money. It's all about money. For our fathers have trespassed and done that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord our God. Let me tell you something. What I'm talking about is evil in the sight of our Lord and God. Buddy, there ain't no two ways about it. There ain't no other way to slice it. The things that our forefathers have done these uh, in the past 10, 20 years, 30 years, God is not happy about it. Look at some of these Pentecostal churches that 40 years ago was blazing trails for Jesus. Look at them now. Now they've turned into palaces. And now it's everybody keeping up with the Jones. Anybody that's trying to keep a standard, they ain't trying to keep a standard. Man, they're trying to come in in their Armani suits. And then on the other hand, you got some coming in the back doors or the side doors in their shorts and flip-flops. Matter of fact, you got two or three different types of services now. you got the, what do you call them now? The, yeah, the traditional service. For the old fogies, and then you got the what service? The the contemporary service for the nuts, the ludicrous idiots. You got somebody, you got some coming in with with ladies coming in with their neck like this, and you got some ladies coming in with the. We ain't gonna go. We ain't gonna go the rest of this story. Now. For our fathers have trespassed and done that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord our God and have forsaken Him and have turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord. Turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord. Amen. And turned their backs. They turned their backs to God. Turned away their face from God in His habitation. And they turned their backs to Him. Because their eyes... We're on themselves. Their eyes was on their their uh, uh, their profit. Their eyes was on their uh, their money and all those things that they could make. Their prosperity. Also, they have shut up the doors of the porch and put out the lamps, and have not burned incense nor offered burnt offerings in the holy place unto God under the God of Israel. Wherefore, the wrath of the Lord was upon Judah and Jerusalem, and he hath delivered them to trouble, to astonishment, and to hissing, as ye see with your eyes. For, lo, our fathers have fallen by the sword, and our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity for this. Now it is in mine heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel that his fierce wrath may turn away from us. This is what God's waiting for right here from His people. He's waiting for somebody to stand up and repair the breach in the covenant. He's waiting on somebody to stand up and repair the breach in the covenant. Amen. There's churches right now, buddy, that's, man, they're wishing they could get back to where they used to be. There's only one way to do it, and that's to have a heart like this man right here. You need to have this heart right here. To make a covenant with the Lord God. Amen. That His fierce wrath may turn away from us. My sons, be not now negligent, for the Lord hath chosen you to stand before Him, to serve Him, and that you should minister unto Him and burn incense. Amen. That means get back in there and get doing what you're supposed to be doing. Amen. Then the Levites arose, Mahath the son of Amaziah, 
and Joel, uh, Joel the son of Azariah, of the sons of Co- uh, the Kohathites, and the sons of Merari, Kish, the son of Abdi, and Azariah, the son of Jehalel, or Jehalel, and of the Gershonites, Joah, the son of Zimah, and Eden, the son of Joah, and the sons of Elizaphan, Shimri, and Jael, or Jael, and the sons of Asaph, Zechariah, and Mataniah, and the sons of Himon, Jehiel, and Shemaiah, and the sons of Jeduthun, Shemaiah, and Ezuel, Ezuel, or Uziel. And they gathered their brethren and sanctified themselves and came according to the commandment of the king by the words of the Lord to cleanse the house of the Lord. Praise God. It's got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. God ain't going to dwell in no filthiness, I'll tell you right now. Filthiness and unholiness and unrighteousness and unpurity will put God out of the building. He'll never come in this place. Amen. And the priest went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it and brought out all the uncleanness that they found in the temple of the Lord into the court of the house of the Lord. And the Levites took it to carry it out abroad to the brook Kidron. Now, church, I wonder, I wonder how many things are in the churches today that profess to be holy. How many filthy and wicked things could be found in those churches today? The first thing that you'd find in a bunch of them is all these so-called Bibles that are an abomination. That's the first thing you need to get out of there. It wouldn't be no different than having a bunch of makeshift uh, uh, tablets of stone that were copied off different and not the ones that Jesus wrote with his finger on Mount Sinai. It ain't no different. There's the one that Jesus, that God himself wrote, and there's everything else. They went in and brought out all, everybody say all, the uncleanness that they found in the temple of the Lord. They went in with a purpose. They went in to find uncleanness. Amen. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you what you need to do with your life. You need to treat your life, your house, your home, and everything about you just like they treated that. You need to treat you just like that. You need to search you just like that. Amen. You need to search your heart. Amen. Search your heart. Amen. Because you are the temple. Praise God. We are the temple of the Lord. Amen. And they went out and they searched out and found in the temple of the Lord the, the, the wickedness, uncleanness. And, they, and the Levites took it to carry it out abroad into the brook Kidron. Now they begun, began on the first day of the first month to sanctify. And on the eighth day of the month they came to the porch of the Lord. So they sanctified the house of the Lord in eight days. And in, 16, in the sixteenth day of the first month they made an end. Then they went into Hezekiah the king and said, We have cleansed all the house of the Lord and the altar of burnt offering with all the vessels thereof and the showbread table with all the vessels thereof. 
Moreover, all the vessels which King Ahaz in his reign did cast away in his transgression have prepared, have we prepared and sanct, uh, the ones, let's do that again. Moreover, all the vessels which King Ahaz in his reign did cast away in his transgression have we prepared and sanctified and behold, they are before the altar of the Lord. Amen. All the things that Ahaz corrupted and the things that he threw away, they replaced. The things that he corrupted, they sanctified them, purified them. Amen. And brought them in, into the house of the Lord, and they were ready for service. Then Hezekiah the king rose early and gathered the rulers of the city and went up to the, to the house of the Lord. And they brought seven bullocks and seven rams and seven lambs and seven he goes for a sin offering for the kingdom and for the sanctuary and for Judah. And he commanded the priests, the sons of Aaron, to offer them on the altar of the Lord. So they killed the bullocks, and the priests received the blood and sprinkled it on the altar. Likewise, when they had killed the rams, they sprinkled the blood upon the altar. They killed also the lambs and sprinkled the blood upon the altar. And they brought forth the he-goats for the sin offering before the king and the congregation, and they laid their hands upon them. And the priests killed them, and they made reconciliation with their blood upon the altar to make an atonement for all Israel. For the king commanded that the burnt offering and the sin offering should be made for all Israel. And he set the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals, with psalteries, and with harps, according to the commandment of David, and of Gad the king's seer, and Nathan the prophet. For so was the commandment of the Lord by his prophets. And the Levites stood with the instruments of David, and the priests with the trumpets, and Hezekiah commanded to offer the burnt offerings upon the altar. And when the burnt offering began, the song of the Lord began also with the trumpets and with the instruments ordained by David, king of Israel. And all the congregation worshipped, and the singers sang, and the trumpeters sounded, and all this continued until the burnt offering was finished. And when they had made an end of offering, the king and all that were present with him bowed themselves and worshipped. Moreover, Hezekiah the king and the prince, uh, the princes commanded the Levites to sing praise unto the Lord with the words of David and Asaph the seer. And they sang praises with gladness, and they bowed their heads and worshipped. Then Hezekiah answered and said, Now ye have consecrated yourselves unto the Lord. Come near and bring sacrifices and thank offerings into the house of the Lord. And the congregation brought in the sacrifices and thank offerings, and as many as were of a free heart burnt offerings. Once they consecrated themselves, then he said, Okay, come on into the house. Amen. Church, notice all the care that they took to straighten things out. When you abandon God or when somebody abandons God, you got to rebuild. You got to rebuild. You have to repair the breach. And you have to rebuild the walls. When you allow yourself to fall, you need to be like David. Be quick to repent. You need to get back up, get back in the path, amen, after you get on your knees. Repent, turn from it, put your feet back in the path, your eyes upon the Lord, and make certain that you start building those bridges back, amen, and building the walls. It's very important. You need to understand 
God always required a wall of separation between everything else and Him and His people. There was always an absolute requirement of separation. Amen. There has to be a defense between the world and God's people. You need to build walls around the temple of our God. Walls around His temple. You are His temple. And you must build those walls. And you need to check them regularly and keep them in good condition. Keep them intact and make certain there are no breaches in that wall. Because wherever there's a breach, Satan is aware of it and he will come in. All right, brother, come on. Next. All right. Luke chapter 3. The Bible says, As it is written in the book of the words of Esaias the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. What does that mean? We've talked about this. What's that mean? Who's the voice of one crying in the wilderness? Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Who was he prophesying of? What? John the Baptist. That's correct. This is Esaias prophesying of John the Baptist. The voice of one crying in the wilderness saying, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. All right, now, what does that mean? What does that mean? Prepare ye the way of the Lord. What does that mean? You need to prepare yourself. You need to prepare your path. We're not winging this thing. We're not winging this. Listen carefully. This is, this is an on-purpose thing. You need to purpose to do everything that you're doing. We're not just walking along taking it as it comes. You need to think it out, think it through, prepare your way. You get up, listen, when you're a child of God, you don't get up and just start walking about your day and wandering around with no, with, with, with the, uh, uh, no, no, uh, uh, no path or anything like that. We don't just walk through this life kind of haphazardly and just walking through here, just winging it as we go. No, when we're Christians, amen, we, we set the path we're going to walk in. We declare what we're going to and not going to do. We get that word right there, praise God, and we use this. This is the light unto our path, the lamp unto our feet. Amen. This is what we use to declare our path. It's what we use to set our path. He said, prepare ye the way of the Lord. That straight and narrow path that we are walking in, that is the way that the Lord said to walk. He said, here is the path, walk ye in it. He said, I am 
the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. That's the path. So, we prepare that way of the Lord. We don't just go searching around for the path. We set our minds, we, we read and study and understand what that path means, what the Word means, what it is we're supposed to be doing. The path is, is a narrow place that we walk in. It is the things that we do and the things that we absolutely abstain from and do not do. That sets the path. And we have to consciously, absolutely consciously make ourselves aware and completely in tune with what is and not acceptable. That is the preparing, that's the preparation of the path we walk in. When we get up in the day, we know and we know what we're going to be doing and we, we have a plan we set and we say, well, you know, I would do this. And, you know, somebody's saying, well, once you come do this with me and do this with me, well, that's where you that's where you've already prepared in your mind, see? You have set it in your mind and set it in your heart. No, no, I can't, I can't go that way. Well, why not? Well, I'm not coming to no bar with you, man. Yeah, but we're not going to be drinking, man. We ain't drink Cokes. No, I'm not going to go. That's, that's, that's out of my way. What do you live right down the road from? No, you're not getting the point, son. That's out of my way. That's, out, that's not my path. I don't walk in that path. I walk in a separate path that does not allow anything like that to enter into my path. That is not something that I'm going to put, it's not something I'm going to do in my life. It's not a part of my life, and I'm not going to allow it to enter into any part of my life. That is preparation of the path. That's preparing your way. That's preparing the way of the Lord. You prepare your life to line up with the way of the Lord. That's the easiest way to put it. You prepare your life to line up with the way of the Lord. Praise God. So that's preparing the way of the Lord. And to make His paths straight, amen, means to take every crook, every little cranny out of the way, every little hill... Make the hills, he said, make the hills low, praise God. Make the valleys uh, rise up, praise God. Everything is going to be an even keel. When you're walking in the path of God, they know mountains, they know valleys. Amen. Concerning the path, the path is straight on. The valley, you are to meet the valley just like you meet the mountain. Amen. With the same faith, with the same uh, uh, emphasis, with the same... Uh, vigor with the same uh, uh, zeal, amen, and with the same confidence. The same confidence you have when you're on the way up to that mountaintop, and you know you got confidence when you're on a mountaintop. You can't even hardly shoot you and kill you. You could shit, throw you off a building and kill you because, man, you are, you're high on success, just like everybody else gets high on success. But yet when you get in the valley, you can't hardly pull enough faith together, man, to, to, uh, to pull a tissue out of a box. Walking around 14 crying towels. But it shouldn't be that way. We make his path straight. His path is straight. There is no, there is no shadow of turning in his path. His path is straight. The part that he's talking about right here, where how do we make his path straight? 
we make His paths, our lives line up with that Word. Amen. Listen, the world has gone, all these churches have made His path crooked. That don't mean they changed His path, but in their life, they have made their path crooked and they're calling it His path. That's making His path crooked. His path is straight. And it's going to be straight. They no shadow turning in God. His path is not movable. But what that word's talking about is you need to make it straight to you. You need to follow the way He said it, the way He put it in here, and the way He settled it, and make it straight in your life. So that anybody that looks at you will see that His path is straight. Because they're looking at us. And we are the only thing they're ever going to see concerning the path of God. You know it, and I know it. I don't care what other churches are doing. I don't care what other people are doing. I, don't, I couldn't care less if you paid me to. What I'm concerned about is what this flock right here is doing. And you make certain that you make his path straight in your life. There is only one path, and it is straight. And that's the path we need to be walking in. So that anybody that sees us or comes in contact with us is going to know, yes, we walk in the Lord's path, and yes, it is straight. What I'm doing is what the Bible tells us we need to do, and that's why we're doing it. I have made His path straight. There is no shadow of turning. There is no crooks or bends. There's no ups or downs. It is straight. It is narrow. And it is to be walked very carefully and cautiously. Everybody understand? Everybody with me? Every valley shall be filled. See what I was talking about? All the valleys that you come to in your life, God will fill them. He's going to bring them up to the perfect height, the height of the path. And every mountain and hill shall be brought low. What does that mean? It means all the mountains that you come and you can't get over are going to be brought down to where you can walk just like Jesus did when he walked out there on that water that was rocking that ship and the ship was about to sink. And he come out there walking on the water. He wasn't walking on the water up there like that, like they were in. When he walked out there where he was walking, I guarantee you it was smooth as glass because the water, the water obeys his thoughts. The water bows itself to our God, praise God. The mountains lay themselves low before Him, and the valleys fill themselves up, amen, because God ain't going to be walking up, down, up, down, up, down. He created all this stuff, and they respond to Him, praise God. He don't respond to that. That responds to Him, praise God. Your problems are afraid of my God. Your problems obey my God. Your problems are not a problem for our God, hallelujah. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. The hill shall be brought low, and the crooked places shall be made straight. Praise God. Amen. The Bible says that many are the afflictions of the righteous. That means we're going to come to some of those problems. But God said if it's a mountain, He's going to make it low. The hills will be brought low. If it's a valley, they will be filled up. The crooked places will be made straight, and the rough ways shall be made smooth. Praise God. That's the God I'm serving. It takes sacrifice, church. It takes discipline, church. 
takes commitment, church. It takes longevity. It takes stick to Persistence, praise God. Be ye not weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. My God is not a liar. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him. See, this is John the Baptist. O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Look what he says next. He said, you've been warned to flee from the wrath to come. Bring forth, therefore, fruits worthy of repentance. He said, man, you walking around here with your nose up in the clouds. He said, hey, you need to bring forth fruits worthy of repentance. Amen. If you have nothing to offer God, God has nothing to offer you. With what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Remember, you first, you first, you first. You don't just come unto God and offer Him nothing. You bring forth meats, fruit, meat for repentance. Amen. When you come up here, what's the first thing you do when you come to the Lord? What's the first thing you do? What's that? What does repent mean? Okay. And while you're doing that, you ask the Lord to forgive you. Doesn't do much good to ask for forgiveness if you're still going to continue in it. All right. So what is it that you have to offer? Are you not offering something when you do that? What are you offering them? See, don't don't lie to me. Don't lie to yourself. The times when you, listen, every one of us has tried to barter with God. Every one of us in our life at some point or another has tried to bargain with God. Lord, if you'll just do this, if you'll just do that. Oh, God, I'll give you my life. I'll live for you for the rest of my life. God, I'll do this. I'll do that. Well, you know what you're doing? You're offering God something. But let me tell you something. When you come to that altar of repentance, when you put your face in that altar and them tears, and you're serious, there's going to be some tears. And when them tears start flowing, amen, and you begin to talk to the Lord, if there's any truth to it, it's going to probably sound something like this, Lord, forgive me a sinner. Lord, and create in me a clean heart. Lord, renew a right spirit within me. Forgive me, Lord, I have sinned against you. Amen. You're confessing your sins. And he said, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins. Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me, God, I pray, Lord, to, to, to strengthen me in my weaknesses, O God. Lord, in my weaknesses, let your strength be made perfect. Lord, lead me, guide me, direct my steps. Lord, I surrender. I commit myself to you, Lord. I give you my life. I'm yours, God. Do with me as you see fit. Lord, I belong to you, God. Take me, Lord. Do with me as you see fit. Do with me as you will, God. And then you immediately from that, you find in waters of baptism, and you surrender, you submit yourself, and you marry Him. You take His name, and you start living by His Word, His will, His rules, His commandments. Amen. All this happens in a very quick time.
So you see, you are bringing fruit. Meat are worthy of repentance. You're giving God you, and if you're sincere about it, God will give you Him. How unfair of a trade is that? Worthy of repentance, and begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father, for I say unto you that God is able these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. That ain't professing nothing. And now also the axe is laid under the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, which is bringing forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. What's he talking about? What trees? The axe is laid unto the root of the trees. What trees? The Bible said that we would be like trees planted by the rivers of living water. And the water would, would well up inside of us and become a river in us. He's talking about us. He said, now the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. So he's got the axe out. The Lord has the axe out. And he said, listen, every tree, the axe is out, it's laid at the roots of these trees, every root of every tree. And he said, I'm looking at every tree. And every tree, therefore, which bringeth not forth good fruit, it's going to be hewn down and cast into the fire. When does this happen? This is a, this is a foretelling of the end. It's hewn down and cast into the fire. Is that the last one? Okay. All right. So every every tree which bringeth forth not good good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Amen. All right. Now, give me uh, Exodus twelve nineteen. Seven days shall shall there be no leaven found in your houses for whosoever eateth that which is leaven, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel whether he be a stranger or born in the land. Let me tell you something, folks. You need to get a clear understanding of something. It don't matter if, you, if you're a fourth or fifth or tenth or twentieth or fiftieth generation, Christian or Pentecostal, you know they hold that really near and dear. Pentecostals really love that. When they can declare, when they can declare that, oh, yes, I'm a fourth-generation Pentecostal, yes. Oh, my goodness. Well, I had a guy tell me that one time. I heard a guy talking talking to that. Oh, boy, I, he lit me up. He's talking about how I was, I was over talking to the people that were uh, in the recovery program and all that. A lot of them was pill heads and alcoholics, drug addicts, and all that kind of stuff, and all that kind of stuff that I've been in in my life. And so I understood it completely, and I don't look down at them at all, <laughs> you know. And uh, I'm living proof of what God can do with a, with scum. So, anyway, my kind of people. And uh, and he said, you know, Brother Hobbit, trying to be real smart, Alec, because he never was much of a speaker, and I was already doing some teaching. And, and then he didn't like the fact that I was going over and preaching, and he knew that things were taking off for me in the ministry. And he didn't like it, but he... Uh, 
He said, yeah, you know, Brother Hoffman, I'm so glad that the Lord sent you unto them people. He said, because I myself, I've never smoked, I've never drank, I've never said a cuss word in my life. And, you know, I'm a third-generation Pentecostal, and I've had the Holy Ghost my whole life, and I've never... I've never, what I was hearing in the background was, I'm glad I'm not as this publican who, who's a sinner, and you know, and I fast twice a week, and uh, you know, and I give tithes of all that I have. That's what I was listening to. That's the way it was going through my mind. But anyway, he was like, yeah, and I'm a third generation Pentecostal. He said, but you know, you, being, having been in all that kind of stuff, well, you know, you understand them, and you know, I'm thankful God sent them to me. I said, yeah, man, me too. I said, my kind of people, praise God, unlike you. Boy, I mean, the whole place just went, whoosh. son, you talking about quiet. The pastor of that church and everybody just went, whoosh. I mean, they were, they were scared of me anyway. I don't know why, but Anyway, but they got real quiet. Praise God. It does not matter whether you're a stranger. It does not matter if you're 27th generation holy man. Let me tell you something. When God sets a standard, when He tells you there shall not be this, there shall not be that, that means everybody. There ain't nobody, nobody, uh, uh, huh? Exempt. That's the exact word I was looking for. Thank you. Praise God. Twelve good minds make one, doesn't it? Amen. <laughs> Especially with older folks. Yeah. Huh? That's right. Four sets of glasses make 20-20 vision. Amen. And a thousand dollars worth of glasses, or ten thousand dollars worth of glasses, just one. Now, amen. So when God sets a standard, it does not matter what who it is, how long they've been in it, whether it's somebody from the congregation or somebody that's born in the land or a stranger. Amen. The Lord said this is how it's going to be. End of story. All right. Yeah. All right. All right, brother, come on. That was 1219, so it would be 3020. When they go into the tabernacle of the congregation, they shall wash with water that they die not. Or when they come near to the altar to minister to burnt to burn offering made by fire unto the Lord. See, there's rules and regulations for everything in the house of the Lord. Everything we do is Bible. Everything we do is Bible. Have you had a hard time explaining to people why we do what we do? How many times have they asked you? Yeah. But have you had a hard time going, well, gosh, let me see. Oh, my gosh, I, I, I never, never really thought about it. Gosh, why do we do that? Why do we do that? Huh, I don't know. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to pass pastor next time I say it because I don't know. We've never covered anything about why we do anything we do. I just kind of figured it was going with the flow. I mean, is that the way everybody approaches it? Have you had a hard time, Sister Tara? Huh? Or are you able to go right to the Bible and say, well, right here's why we do it. 
How many pages of backing do you need on that? Because we can go 37 pages deep if you like. I can give you 1,400 reasons why we do something. I can tell you why we do that, and I'm going to give you 27 reasons why we do that. And I'm going to give you 197 reasons why we do those 27 things that tell you why we do this one thing. See? Amen. It's a never-ending never story. <laughs> uh, yep, that's right. Bible, Bible speaks for itself. All right, here we go. Give me John seven thirty-seven through thirty-nine. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, "If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink." Okay. Now, right here, what is, you know, everybody says, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute now. That's everybody. Isn't that right? Isn't that what he said? What was that? If they're what? Did y'all get that? Because she gets real whispery. She gets real whispery. If well, if she's had sugar, evidently she's not had sugar tonight. But it's kind of whispery. But what she said was, the Bible says, if any man is thirsty, that's what it said. Jesus didn't say, "Hey, everybody, come, come one, come all." That's what the world says that he said. But he did not say that. He said, "If any man." Thirst. That ain't for no beer. That ain't for a Budweiser, for a bottle of wine. That ain't for a Mai Tai, honey. That's for holiness and purity and righteousness. That which is right. He said, if any man thirst, what is it? Come on, come on, come on, somebody. Give me a scripture, sister, quick. Back that up with a scripture. Blessed are they. There you go. You ought to have your Bibles open right now to this scripture right here and writing in the you need to write in the margin. Matthew five six. Go to John seven thirty seven and write in it Matthew five six because that's what this that people miss the hidden key. It's not everybody. This is not for everybody. Well, God wanted everybody. No, He didn't want everybody. God sent our sins to all the world and to bring in everybody. Into... God don't want the scum of this earth. He don't want no scumbags. I couldn't come to Jesus as a scumbag. I had to come thirsty and hungering for something different, something more, something right. God ain't interested in your filth. He ain't interested in your wickedness. That's what all this has been about. That's what this whole message is all about, church. God is not after your... He, he don't want no seconds. He's not after your leftovers. God wants your A game or no game. Okay. So he said, let him come unto me and drink. What do you got to do to come unto him and drink? What's he talking about? 
What's he talking about, Sister Erica? Come, let him come unto me and drink. His word, because he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Let him come unto me and drink. Come unto me and drink. Doesn't come unto... He's not standing there with a pitcher of water in his hand. He said, let him come unto me and drink. Drink what? Drink of me. Drink me. I'm that living water. He that drinketh the water that I will give him, which is that word, shall never thirst again, but it shall become a well of living water springing up inside of him. Praise God. Woo! Oh, mighty God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Good stuff. I love the Word of God. Gets me all kind of excited. Hallelujah. He that believeth on me as the Scripture hath said. What does it mean to believe on Him? What does it mean to believe on Him? Believe that Word. He is that Word. He that believeth, he that believeth on me as the Scripture hath said. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. I have, I have given you rivers of living water. You have never in your life had water like you've had in this church. Not ever. And you never ever will have water like you've had in this place. Amen. And the things that come forth from you now are just exactly the same. It's that river of living water that now has become a well of living water springing up inside of you. Amen. And when you believe as you do now, out of your belly is going to flow this same river because we're swimming in it now. Oh, we're swimming in the water now. Praise God. We're in the deep water now. Amen. I don't, let me tell you what. <laughs> there's going to be a drought. There's going to be a drought. There's already a drought in the land, not for water and food. There's already a famine, but not in this people. Ain't no famine in this people. Amen. We got word, we got biscuits. Amen. Praise God. Hey. What are you talking about here? Speak for yourself. Now, but this spake he of the Spirit which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given. Oh, boy, they love this. Man, I'm going to tell you, the Pentecostals love this scripture right here. Because then they say, see, see, there was never no Holy Ghost. Don't anybody ever tell you that, that, you've all, that you got the Holy Ghost. You, listen, if you never spoke in tongues, you can't have the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost was not yet given. Well, then you're going to have to cut all kind of pages of that book out, brother. What about the Holy Ghost David had? Because the Bible declared many times that David, through the Holy Ghost, did thus and thus and thus. David, in the Holy Ghost, did this and this and this. And, of course, we know that, that uh, Mary, uh, that uh, Elizabeth had the Holy Ghost. That was John leapt in the womb. Amen. Before this, okay, leapt in the womb. Amen. Holy Ghost. Amen. The Holy Ghost is what was on him. Praise God. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. He came forth out of the womb with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. And uh, his daddy, 
praise God, Zacharias had the, had the Holy Ghost. The Bible declares it. Before this, hello, Moses had enough Holy Ghost for 70 elders to get some off of him. The Lord didn't come down to add Holy Ghost. He just took some off him and gave it to them. That's some Holy Ghost right there, buddy. Because that Jesus was not yet glorified. They just don't understand it. They don't understand it. But they would look at you and tell you, well, he's, he needs a Bible study. <laughs> yeah, they are blind. But yet people that buy into that horse manure and like the river praise and all that garbage, all that garbage church and all that kind of nonsense and foolishness, they'll tell you about me. Well, I did. I was about three. They don't read the same Bible. Even if they got the same Bible, they ain't reading the same Bible because you got to have what I got to read this Bible. All right. Next. Here we go. These twelve, now, now I said a while ago, remember what Jesus said. If any man thirst, let him come unto me. Remember that? As I said before and what I've been saying all along the past two sermons. God's not after everybody in this world. He's not after them. That's a, that's a facade. That's a lie from hell. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them. He didn't ask them. He didn't suggest it. He commanded them. Go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any of the cities of Samaritans. Enter ye not. So what does that mean? What was he saying here? That's pretty good stuff there, sister. What does he mean, the way of the Gentiles? He didn't say, he didn't just say the Gentiles, he said the way of the Gentiles. Amen. He said, go not into the way of the Gentiles and into the city of Samaritans. The city of the Samaritans, enter ye not. You see this? I want you to understand this. You need to understand this. Because God ain't sending everybody to go save somebody off a bar stool. God's not going to send you in the bar. He said, look, you don't go over and hang out in Montrose and start trying to... You're walking into their den. You're walking into that cesspool then. You don't go set your Bible down on no bar or no brothel and start trying to preach the Bible. No, you don't do that. It's nonsense. And I've had people argue with me over that point. Try to ever live in mine. You don't go into the way of the Gentiles, nor into any of the cities or any of the places where they go. And of the Samaritans, he said, enter ye not. Now, what's that? Oh, well, they're out of their mind. Yeah, no, you can't show me no one in the Bible. Okay, come on, brother. Okay. Give me that, give me that other scripture. Go. Okay. Man, 
Okay, I was going to say, that's, like, that's not slow. That's, that's like dead. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's, it's died now. There it is. Uh-oh. No. All right. It's okay. Go ahead, because I'm going to take it. With, I'm going to take it with the Bible. Go ahead. Restart it. All right, everybody, go with me to. Psalms 1. The Bible says in Psalms 1 and 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. We don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. We don't walk in that mess. And you're blessed if you do not. Nor standeth in the way of sinners. We don't stand in the way of sinners. We don't go where they go. We don't do what they do. We don't hang out where they hang out. We stay away from them people. We separate ourselves. Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. We don't do the scornful things that they do. We do not set ourselves up with those people. All right. Next, I mean, there's next. Uh, all right. But his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord. We don't set up our own standards. We don't judge according to our beliefs or according to what we think or according to what the scornful would think. We don't work, we don't work that way. But our delight is in the law of God, the law of the Lord. Praise God. His word, His judgments, His righteousness. Remember, we talked about that the other day. We talked about that Sunday night. About His judgments. Did you get a copy of that? You need to get a copy of that because that's a lot of word in that sermon from Sunday night. Talk to Brother, brother uh, Edward about it. Uh, I don't know. Yep, he's got it right up there for you. Now. Make sure you still had that where you can cut some more, though, because we need a copy of that. Now, okay. And, he, and he, in his law doth he meditate day and night. Church, we do this all the time. We live it, eat it, and breathe it. Praise God. Isn't the Word of God good? I mean, it's so good you just fall in love with it. It just becomes part of your life. It becomes your life. Amen. My life is that book. Praise God. Does that mean I do everything perfect? Well, of course I do. No, of course I don't. I just had to see how that felt to say that. <laughs> I'm going to say it for real when I'm in heaven one day if I make it. Praise God, I'm going to say that for real one time. <clears throat> no, I don't. doesn't mean I do everything perfect. Amen. We strive to, but we're going to fall short. Why? Because we're still afflicted with this mess we're walking around in, this wickedness. Now, but our delight is in the law of God, the Word of God, and in His law... Do we meditate day and night? We continually meditate in that word day and night. Praise God. That's how we overcome. And he shall be like a tree. <laughs> Here we go. Remember, we were talking about earlier what the Lord was talking about trees. 
planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit when? When? In his season. Praise God. Listen, you are in a season right now that you didn't used to be in. But now you're in a season, praise God, that you're a different person than you used to be. And God will use you to bring forth the fruit you need to bring forth, even if it's just fruit unto yourself. Even if it's just bringing forth good fruit from yourself. The good fruit is the Word of God. That does not mean that everybody's going to take it, eat it, and start sprouting it off their self. You give, you sow, sow your seed, and let God take it from there. Remember what the Bible said, Paul planted, Apollos watered, God brought forth the increase. So then neither was it Paul that planted, nor Apollos that watered, but God who brought forth the increase. Amen. It doesn't matter whether there's an increase or not. You did your job, that's all you got to worry about. The Bible said, cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Amen. You speak the word, you sow that seed, praise God, that's bringing forth good fruit. If you're bringing forth what I'm bringing forth from that pulpit, you're bringing forth good fruit. Praise God. Anything else than that, if you're bringing forth anything other than what I'm preaching in this pulpit, you're bringing forth filthy fruit, rotten fruit. There is no other fruit. You bring forth that good fruit, it's in God's hands from there. Uh-oh, wait a minute. All right. Like the rivers of water that bring forth good fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Praise God. Now, that don't mean, that don't mean necessarily everything you put your hands on is going to turn to gold in your hand. That ain't talking about money. That's talking about whatsoever you do. Spreading that word, planting that seed and sowing that seed, it's going to prosper. You know what? That doesn't mean that the people that you speak to are going to come forth and start serving God. doesn't mean that's, that's not what it means. But it's going to prosper because it's going to turn to them uh, uh, for a testimony either for them or against them. But it will turn to you for a testimony no matter what because you did what you're supposed to do. Amen. That is prosperity. That's prospering. Amen in God. That's you growing in God. That's you doing what you're told to do. That's you being obedient. That's you being uh, uh, being committed. That's you doing what God requires you to do. Amen. And that's all you need to be worried about. That's all you need to be concerned about. The ungodly are not so. Hear what God's talking about the ungodly now? He said the ungodly are not so. These were the godly people he's just talking about. Blessed is the man that sitteth not to see the scornful. All that kind of stuff. He said, hey... The ungodly are not so, but they are like the chaff. God is not a happy camper about the ungodly. They're scum to him. They're like the chaff, which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in... Uh-oh, hold on, hold on. You better put your seatbelt on. We're about to get whiplash in here. nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. If I had a mic, I'd drop it to the floor right now. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Let me tell you, church, I have stood and guarded the gate of this church. And let me tell you something, partner. I don't care who you are. 
People are not going to come in here and push sin in this church. They're not going to bring that mess up in here. You are not going to plant cancer in my church. You're not bringing cancer into this congregation. The Bible is very clear about who will come into the congregation of the Lord. It is a stringent set of rules, stringent set of commandments you will follow. If you're going to be part of this church, if you're going to be part of the church, you will line up with the congregation standard. You will line up with God's commandments or you cannot stay. Period. No way you can slice it any other way. No way. Now, does that mean, does that mean that you have to come in here and be perfect? No. No, it doesn't. But you will be hungry and thirsty for what's right. Because if you're not, you're going to have to find you somewhere else to go. If you're not showing any interest in staying and trying to live right and change your life and do what this Word says right here, then you're in the wrong church. Period. I've got hundreds, hundreds of Scriptures that I can show you. Show me one contrary to it. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Pretty straightforward stuff. Remember, he said, I'm the Lord. I change not. I change not. Listen to what the Bible says here. Yep, okay. But go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. Go, what's he talking about here? He said, remember what we were talking about a while ago? Remember what he said a while ago? Never go in, don't go into the way of the Gentiles, that's right. That's right. And stay out of the cities of Samaritans. Stay out of them people. Enter not into those cities. Where it's all wickedness, those people want nothing to do with God. Man, can you say amen? I mean, we live in a country like that now, don't we? It's, about, it's 90%. Don't want nothing to do with God. Even the people that do want some kind of right, they don't want God. They don't want that much right. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. What does that mean? What's that saying to us today? Because that's exact, that's absolutely speaking to us today. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you here in just a few seconds how it's speaking to us today. Go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. What does that mean? It means the people that know who he is and the people that are astray, the people that are just a little off balance or a little off, the people that are not hard set against God, but they just got it a little bit wrong. Maybe they come from a background of the Lord. Lost people of that house, which means of the congregation or of the flock or of the people of God. Go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. People that will hear. People that will. People that do have a chance. People that do have some something in them that is longing for more than they are. 
Remember, the Bible said, God knoweth the way of the righteous. That's why everybody you see doesn't come, but when God puts them there, they'll either come or not, but when God puts them there, a lot of times they'll come. Amen. But if the house be not built to the Lord, yeah, they labor in vain to build it. All right. Now, verse 7. And as ye go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. <laughs> okay, here we go. Now, what's that mean? Stop right there. Don't do nothing yet, brother. Don't do nothing yet, brother. What does that mean? What does he mean, the kingdom of heaven? It was thousands of years ago when he said that. Right? What does he mean, the kingdom of heaven is at hand? What is he talking about? Why would he say that? Okay. That's one part of it. That's one part of it. It's a living word. What? Okay. Somebody else? Somebody help me out? Need some more? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Ah, you seem to, you know the next scripture though. Come on. Bring it on. Come on. This is what it says. He said unto the disciples, The days will come when ye shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. What? Where did this come from? No, I think that's wrong. Yeah, back, back up to the other one. We can use that one too. And he said unto the disciples, The days will come when you shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you shall not see it. The kingdom of God was there at hand, but the, the biggest thing you can take away from this right here is the next scripture. Bring it on. There was something else on that other scripture. That was the wrong one. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. God was warning them. Let me tell you something. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'm telling you here tonight. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Listen, Brother Quick could have died in that hospital here a week or two ago when he was in that hospital. He could have died with a heart attack several years ago. Where would he be today if he died of that heart attack? That's the question. The thing is, church, you're, you're counting your chickens for the hatch. If you think that you, oh, well, Jesus can't come yet, i got plenty of time. And that's what we do. We, we get that habit. We get in that habit of thinking like that. But let me tell you something. You need to be of the mindset that today is your last day. And you need to live like today is your last day. And that's what he said. He said, you need to understand that, listen. He said, but there, therefore be also ready for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when you think not. Listen, church, you need to understand Jesus could come for you tonight. The kingdom of heaven is always at hand with every person on this earth. It's right in front of you even as you speak. Let me tell you something, church. God's knocking on your door right now. He's so close. Remember with Jesus, 
A day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. He's standing right at the door of your death right now. Right now. He's seeing your death right now. He knows exactly when it's coming. When you feel that unction of the Holy Ghost trying to push you further, you better get going further. You better step it up. You better, you better know it. Because let me tell you something. God's going to turn it up in His people. The closer you get to the end, the closer you get to the nares, the faster it moves. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Amen. Everybody with me so far? All right. Kind of. Yep. He said, when you go, he said, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely he have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses, nor scrip for your journey. Neither two coats, neither shoes, yet nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. Now, listen to what, I love this. I love this scripture because this is, this is, this is God stuff right here. This is God stuff right here. Whatsoever city or town ye shall enter, the first thing you do, you don't set your little stand up on the side and say, Come everybody, come on now. Let's worship the Lord. Anybody want to come on and get some Jesus now? Let's come on and get some Jesus now. Everybody come on give me that big old Jesus smooch. Come on now. Garbage. Filthy garbage. That ain't the God I serve. Whatever city or town you enter in, inquire who in it is worthy. This is to ever, this is even from the beginning. He said, inquire in it. In other words, you don't just walk in and start throwing Jesus all over the building. You walk in there and see who's worthy to even hear it. It's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. This is a precious seed. It ain't no different than taking hands full of gold and throwing it down in the middle of Skid Row. Well, you throw that money away because they're not going to do right with it. They're going to take that money and go buy more of the garbage that put them there. They're not going to do anything different with it. It ain't no different with the Word of God except for the fact that it's more valuable than anything you've ever seen in your life. And God sees it as such, and so should we. We look at it like it because we've been taught to. You know who taught that crap? Satan taught that mess in this world. Satan taught that Jesus is a pushover. Satan taught that all he is is niceness and kindness and sweetness and smoochy, smoochy and all that mess. Not my God's not. He's a consuming fire. And he's very particular who he gives his word to. He knows sinners ain't going to do nothing with it, and he don't want to give to them either. He said, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till you go thence. What is he talking about here? That's right. You need to first find out who in it has been asking about this kind of stuff. Hey, have y'all... You know what they get? They went into town. I guarantee this is what they did. Hey, is uh, have y'all heard about Jesus of Nazareth? Has anybody around here been? Has somebody been talking about Jesus of Nazareth? Anybody ever heard about Jesus of Nazareth? Have you heard about the miracles going on in 
Jerusalem and here and there and everywhere? Oh, yeah, man, yeah, man. Somebody was telling us, man, there's a, man, uh, several people have come. They've already had a miracle. And, man, there's a people that's had miracles, man. And it, matter of fact, that one of those type of churches has come up over here. And, man, there's they having a meeting all the time talking about that. Where's that at? Where's that at? Not, oh, yeah, I think, it, I think they're having a big bar mitzvah. I think they're having a bar fest over there. Uh, uh, yeah, over at the whorehouse right now. They're over there now talking about it. Like, no, no, that ain't the way it works. Know what the Lord wanted to hear, what he's, what he's talking about is you go in there and you find out who's talking about it. Who's, who's hungry for it? Who's, put it? who's got it on their mind? Who's already talking about it? Who's heard about it? That's what he means. You find out who's worthy to hear this. Don't just go wasting your time. There's too much to do and not enough time to do it. What do you mean not enough time to do it? They only had so much time in their lives to do the things they needed to do it's not the carrying it on part that was concerned with each one they had things they needed to get done who in it is worthy and there abide till ye go thence don't be going house to house place to place this place to that place you go there and let them come to you why because they need to show forth some effort that's the problem that's the problem. Even the ones that followed Jesus himself came until they got what they wanted. They weren't there for what they needed. They were there for what they wanted. When it, became to the things, when it came to the things they needed, I got to go. Yeah, I just remembered. I got something in the microwave. That's not invented yet. Yeah, but it will be. And I will have something in the microwave. When it's, I'm going to go work on inventing now. Yep. And there abide till you go thence. He said, look, if there's people in that town that are hungry enough for this, it's going to be noised abroad. You know when Jesus does something or when somebody hears this, it gets noised abroad. It gets noised abroad. Next thing you know, people start coming to see what's going on. See, it's like turning. If you think things are not drawn to the light, turn your back porch light off at night or on at night and give it a few minutes. And then you can shine a flashlight out in them woods, and everything in them woods has come to see what's going on with that light, where that light's coming from. And you see eyes shining everywhere because they're coming to see what that light's about. <laughs> he ain't going to be worried about it after we go out the next time. Yeah. Okay. All right. And when you come into a house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. In other words, if you get there, make sure you cut it off soon enough or whatever. Or, yeah, make sure you cut it off soon enough. But let, let it run on over the on the top so you can add another CD. Okay, all right, good. Now, but if it be not worthy, let your peace return unto you. What does it mean, be not worthy? What's that talking about? Yeah, if you get in there and they realize, oh, well, you know, I don't know if I really believe all that. I don't know if I... I don't believe that. I don't believe it's like that. Well, well, then he said, just let your peace return to you. He said, don't leave it there. Don't, don't let them have what you give them. Just take it back with you. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words when ye depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. You see that, church? Listen, 
His word could not be more crystal clear than it is. It is absolutely crystal clear. 